Welcome to Scoreline Extra, the podcast that tries to condense some of the interviews that we've had on our weekend show on KCLR, Scoreline. <clears throat> on this week's episode, we'll hear some post-match reactions to the Carlos Senior hurling championship as St Mullins went up against Mount Leinster Rangers. Clonmore GEA's Ger Doyle on his new appointment as Carlo GEA PRO. We'll also have Anne Kendrick of Carlo Gymnastics on three club members qualifying for the European Championship. GEA Middle East Chairman Stephen Toomey on developing the sport again in the region. Joe Sheehan joins to talk about Greyhounds and Annie O'Neill on the weekend's boxing in the National Arena. And Davy Jones talking all things fitness. First, here's the post-match reaction to the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship. Chris Nolan, congratulations. Uh, man of the match, but for me, that was a complete team performance. You did get man of the match, but you could nearly give it to your brother John as well. You were unbelievable, first half in particular, but what a performance from Mount Leinster Rangers. Yeah, Joe, brilliant performance. We know we were, we were building all year towards this. We In the group games there, we probably didn't really get going, and we had 30-minute performances and 40-minute performances and that. So today it was just about kind of putting together a 60-minute performance, and look... We're just delighted that I paid off and your man, he wasn't too bad in the corner either. No, your sender, he should have given you another ball, you could have got an extra one. Oh, Maybe no. you should have given him one or two as well. <laughs> oh, I heard all about it. Yeah. So I'll say no more, I won't mention that one again. Yeah, I, I mentioned the word complete there, Chris. It was complete performance from Dean in the goal, some tremendous saves, yeah. but the lads as a unit played very well defensively, held the likes of Marty and, and uh, James and the lads very quiet for St Mullins. And yet they came back at you, but you dug deeper again. Yeah, you know, in fairness to St Mullins, they're, uh, they're an unbelievable team as well. They'll never give up. They have fierce pride in the jersey down there and they'll, they'll keep fighting to the very end. So I know. Don't one by eight or nine points but it wasn't as easy as that out there that was a very very tough tough game of hurling out there and okay, don't, don't go too far we come to the, I won't call him the little brother he was a few years ago John well done you were absolutely outstanding today but as I said to Chris a tremendous team performance a ah, great team performance sure, this is what we've been building on all year and um, look sure, this is what we've been doing we've been working hard get a 60 minute performance and thank God today was the day that we pulled it off uh, it was a great day for a hurling match weather wise but uh, how tough was it down there on the field he took control leading at half time by 17 points a 7 10 point lead you must have been pinching yourselves at half time looking at that oh we were yeah but it wasn't as easy as the scoreline let out now the, the tackling from the start um, everything was ferocious from St Mullins they're a tough team um, from the very start to the very finish they're working hard it was, it was hard to get scores off look it was just a very tough game uh, it's been a great journey for you I remember coming in here a few years ago and you were 15 playing in a minor match and I think minor was under 18 at the time then it went to 17 and here you are now winning medals for Mount Leinster Rangers playing senior hurling with Carlos so you've had a great journey and you're yeah. a brother to look up to as well but you're still you're still very young yeah sure look this, that's what you're building on when you're, when you're 15 years of age you dream of days like today and look I'm very happy now thank God it's a great, great team performance from Rangers and hopefully more to come this year. OK, well listen, well done John and uh, continued success and we look forward to seeing you in the Leinster Championship. I'm sure you're looking forward to that whenever it is, but uh, well done. Thanks very much. Yeah, that's John, this is Chris of course. Uh, how many years between the two of you? He's, um, he's 22, a year and a half. A year and a half, year right. And a half, you have another yeah. two coming ahead as well. So and Sean, another, your daddy was telling me. Yeah, another two coming behind <laughs> us there. We'll probably still be around, we'll surely be still hurling when they're up, John, another couple of years if to make it. OK, you still with IT Carlo? Still one more year left, yeah, okay. so... We'll, have a crack at it's given out this year. OK, well listen, I wish you well because everyone's great time for you. Really yeah. done well. Keep up the great work. Keep at it. You're top yeah. class and well done. Appreciate that, Brendan. Thanks Good very much. Appreciate Thank it. Good man. Now I'm joined by two of the backroom team of Mount Leinster Rangers. Uh, Johnny Nevin, I know there's a lot of stats, famous Carlo Hurler. And sure, Pat Hickey's a famous Carlo Hurler as well. Uh, Pat, your selector on this team, spoke to you last week here, but for me, said it to all the lads, a very accomplished performance by Rangers today. Yeah, the first half, the first half was as good as I ever uh, saw. 
the first half hurling the work rate of the boys the skill of the forwards the, the Harrison and the Baxter midfield with Fikra and Paul Cody absolutely fucking working the work rate was savage savage over the team today but that's what we drilled in in the last fortnight uh, coming into the motion match last week it was the very same thing like we take nothing for granted don't take a full half of the pedal and, like it has been a hard year on us since the championship started because we had savage injuries even today they are now like we started it today without Kieran Kavanagh without um, Teddy. Teddy without uh, Kieran Kavanagh Teddy and there was someone else Richard Cody Jack Murphy went off there five or six weeks ago and uh, Dean Tobin there top class forward uh, he's back in the fold now he got all clear after having a crush he only got all clear there Wednesday so there's there's four that didn't start today that's like that'll be biting at the bit next year like you know and like Brendan I'll be honest with you we're not going away we're going nowhere as simple as that that's we'll be hoping up how we get a run in Leinster I hope you were chairman the last time and you'll be elected to Pope if you do it this time uh, well, yeah, and there'll be a woeful fire down around Boris and Ballamorphy well, the, the Green Party won't be happy with that Papa. No. the red and black party will be <laughs> thanks Brendan that's true that's true Johnny Nevin has played it. Johnny you're a statistician I do all the stats with Mount Leinster Rangers yeah. you've been very impressed with his performance you've played in some big games with Carlo with your own club Parnells and Nave Breed over the years but that was excellent that was the best display I've seen from any club in a, in a county final the first half was just unreal everything that they did the movement to the forwards the the work rate at the midfield, the work rate at the back line, the quality of the ball going into the forwards and the scores were just unbelievable. Some of the scores that Chris Nolan got there in the first half were just off the sidelines, John Nolan off the sidelines. There was no easy angles yeah, to 13, some of them. 13 points in play I think in the first half. Yeah, and it's 17 points on the board at half time. Um, one, 16 one, I should yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it was only one free in that. Unbelievable. The, just the movement and the work rate of the players and the honesty of effort all over the pitch from, from everybody and just you know there were, every time there was a break of the ball on the ground there was three Mount Leinster Rangers lads around the break of the ball any rook ball they came out with any rook ball that was there and just I just think they just, they just overwhelmed uh, work rate was terrific. the work rate was just out of top drawer today and the quality of the hurling as well to match the work rate was just unbelievable Pat uh, the Leinster Championship is not organised as of yet but you're now county champions you're in the Leinster Senior Championship it looks like it'll be later than normal but uh, you'll have to try and work in between the time though when it comes around it's obviously going to be a few weeks away so you'll have to fill the gap I know you haven't planned on it yet but yeah. you have to keep these lads now working over the next weeks who challenge matches and yeah, so on Yeah but the thing about that now um, Brendan is uh I suppose 90% of our, our players are dual players and the yeah. football is kicking in next week like yeah. and uh, we're playing Raffili in the first round next Sunday and like we'll be back we'll be back in the football we'll be back training with Johnny on Wednesday night for the football but like it's, it's hard going when you have 90% dual players yeah. like we're on the road now I'd say is it 6 or 7 Sundays there yeah, correct you know, and before that we were in a football semi-final again there, Oga. You know, but look, they're a, they're a great bunch of lads. They're a great bunch of lads. And it's keep, uh, keeping you young, Pat. It's keeping you young. Keep, yeah, sure. It's great. It's great, Brendan. <laughs> well, listen, congratulations. Thanks a million, great, Brendan. Good, Johnny, thanks, well, Brendan. well done. Well, thanks, let's look at the football. Good man. Come on, well done, lads. Thanks, Brendan. See you, Johnny. That was a post-match reaction to the Carlo Senior Hurling Championship. Up next, keeping all things Carlo GEA, here's Ger Doyle, the newly appointed PRO. Absolutely buzzing there, Shane is right. I haven't had time to, to uh, hit the ground running, really. I, I'm thrown in at the deep end with three county finals this weekend, <laughs> so um, there's been a lot of work to be done since last Tuesday night. Uh, just the first, like to say, it's a great honour 
take up this position as PRO of Carla GEA and I'd like to thank my club, Clan Moore, um, for nominating me. And uh, all I can say is I'm going to do my very best to uh, forward uh, all the positive things that are going on in Carla GEA at the moment and for many years and get that message out there as best I can. Um, there is great work being done by Carla GEA people at all levels. Uh, we have fantastic facilities at both county and club level. Uh, you know, we have the Network's Cullen Park here, which is one of the nicest grounds in the county. Always probably one of the best sods and, and fantastic facilities. We have the Training Centre, Carlo IT, um, then every club has fantastic grounds as well, um, clubhouses and everything. So we, we've great pride in our clubs and um, there's huge effort being put in throughout the county at all grades. Um, you know, the way I see it, we're a small county, we're a dual county, but we're a proud, proud county. And even though we, as I say, we're small, uh, there's a huge amount of passion for GA and Carlo at all, across all the clubs. And I just want to get that message out there and, and acknowledge the work that's been done and be positive and transparent in everything we do. And um, I think, you know, that's that's the job. Um, so... As I starting this weekend, it's a um, great showcase for our hurling in Carlo. We've top-class hurlers here, and there's going to be three cracking games. Thankfully, the weather's been kind to us so far. Lovely day here uh, in Carlo today, beautiful sunshine. Pitch is in perfect condition. So we're good. should have a cracking intermediate final between um, sorry, um, Nave Reed and Nave Owen today. Um, they met earlier in the championship, but it was only a goal between 315 to 215, so we're expecting a really tight and exciting game. Um, then on tomorrow, then we have two more exciting games, a uh, junior match between Bagginstown Gales and Palatine, and then the, the, the cream of the crop will come to the fore then in the senior final between St Mullins and Montlinster Rangers, which is a mouth-watering prospect. We're going to have an array of county talent on display super hurlers on both teams so it's really exciting times for Carla Hurling and uh, we'd uh, encourage as many people as possible now that we can go to games to come out and to take the opportunity in the good weather to come out and stand on the terraces probably is the best place to, to go in this lovely sunshine and watch the games today and tomorrow. And it, look, it, there's no probably better time to be coming into the role than uh, considering the role is to kind of help the public relations, you're the public relations officer and getting people kind of more eyes on Carlo GEA and you couldn't have come in at a better time. Three county finals, you'll have ourselves covering uh, the game tomorrow and you'll also have TG4 coming down broadcasting it to the people of Ireland as well as a showcase of what Carlo GEA has to offer. So the first week you could take it off as a success already. Well, we'll wait till tomorrow evening, and then if everything goes well, we'll, we'll uh, at only to, only at that stage we'll be able to tick the box to say we've we've done a good job. Um, obviously, getting programs done up and getting all the information and the teams, the the, the player profiles, photographs, uh, all that information has been um, a huge task in a, in a few days. Um, but I must say, I've got, I've got fantastic cooperation from all the clubs secretaries and PROs. There's six different clubs involved, so I was dealing with six different groups of officials, but they've been only brilliant now, and everything I've asked for I've got, uh, and um, the help was fantastic. All I can say is long may it last.
Yeah, certainly. In terms of the role then itself, a lot of people might know what the intricacies are involved. You're mentioning match programs, you're mentioning different stuff like that, but it is a very tasking role to be able to take on. But I'd imagine a very rewarding role, being able to represent your county at that level. Absolutely. That's the reason of taking it on, to try and make a difference. Uh, as I said earlier, um, there's brilliant work being done in the county by all our clubs and, our, and all the management teams in charge of all our county teams and by the county board itself. And what I want to try and do is project that positive good work and, and get the positive news out at all times uh, and to try to be transparent and to explain uh, why things are done in a certain way. People can often find fault or whatever with some decisions, but if, if it's explained why things are being done in a particular way, then I think people will be a lot more understanding. Um, you know, and I, th- I think... Where there's a vacuum, people can fill it with negative stuff, but my job will be to not create that vacuum or not allow that vacuum to exist, to fill it with as much positive information and news as I can. There's a huge appetite out there. There's an awful lot of really passionate people in Carlo who are craving information and, and, and wondering what's going on here, what's going on there. So it's my job to, to look after the provision of the information to those people at all age groups and using all media, whether it be traditional radio, television, newspapers, and then the social media of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and all the other things that are there that the younger people are using. We, we have to, you know, be able to access or to get our message out to all the age groups uh, who are interested in the GEA and Carl and, and there is, as I say, a huge interest and a huge amount of good work being done, and we need to get that message out there that, you know, things have on the way up in Carlo and there's a lot of really uh, hard work being done and good work, good quality work in coaching and um, games administration and all that, you know, that people may not be aware of, but we need to make them aware of it. Well, we're going to look forward to seeing yourself now front and centre on following a few TikTok trends that are going around the place anyway over the next few weeks. We're going to hold you to that. But it, it, it's great what you're saying because, like, when we're talking about the infrastructure within uh, Carlo G, yeah, and we're talking to the likes of Pat O'Flynn and uh, Ronan Dempsey and uh, Tom Mullally, of course, Niall Carew uh, and Jim Bulger, there seems to be like this really positive sentiment uh, about what's going on beneath uh, the surface because a lot of people can get lost with uh, say the results this year it was a, a, quite a disappointing year from an inter-county level so it's very good that you're able to kind of identify that maybe the sentiment isn't always positive when it comes to Carlo GEA and I suppose in the media and when we're speaking to different people we're always trying to highlight the positive but at the same time there is some backlash from, from some people so being able to accurately portray the information that is going on behind the scenes is surely crucial and it's great that you were able to pick up on, on that and uh, Look forwarding, look, looking forward to enhancing the experience for supporters? Well, I think that's the role of the PRO. Um, you know, it's to um, just be sensitive to the, to, to the needs of the, the, the people who are interested and the clubs. And when decisions are made, as I said, and the clubs may not be happy with the decisions, but I think if you try and explain it, there's nobody making decisions or, or doing things um, for any bad reason they're just they're doing it for for usually for very sensible and, and logical reasons but you need to be able to convey that uh, to the public so that they understand where you're coming from and um, I think that's part of the, the process is to be transparent in in the way we do business and um, you know like talk the hurling and football county teams um, 
you know, again, the results may not have been what we had hoped for, but uh, we're in a bit of a transition period and uh, we've got new managers in there and I'm sure the two new managers will, now that they have their feet under the table and are become more familiar with the, the, the personnel they have available to them and we've just had a, a hurling championship and football championship to come, they probably will be looking to unearth some new talent to add to the existing panels. And we can look forward with optimism to the start of the National League in the new year and to next year's championships. So, um, as the saying goes, uh, hope springs eternal and we'll, we'll always stay positive. And for small counties like Carlo, um, it's always a struggle, uh, but we keep plugging away and um, we would be hopeful, certainly, of making progress in the league. That's really where we target uh, is to try and progress in the league and get promotion if possible, particularly in the football side of it. And uh, I suppose the Joe McDonough Cup would be the, the big target in hurling. So they're achievable targets, and uh, I think we have every hope, reason to be hopeful that we will achieve those targets next year. Certainly, but for now we can look forward to the three finals that we have going ahead here uh, in Carlo. Nave Owen versus Nave Reed today at five o'clock. No doubt you'll be at the game yourself, as will a whole host of people from the county. A real special occasion. Uh, we know that the football finals got to be played off not so long ago. We got some buzz out of it here in KCLR, but just to have the hurling finals back is a, is an amazing uh, thing. I, I know we had them last year, but it's been uh, so long since we've had that, but it's not the same experience without the fans as well so it's a real special moment I'd imagine today is It's great to have the supporters back it changes the whole dynamic in the the game Um, the players draw energy from the support and uh, it it lifts players and and, you know it's the natural way to to have it that you have two uh, teams of 15 players each with maybe 3 or 400 people on the sidelines supporting them and um, they feed off one another and it just creates a great atmosphere and I think we're going to have a really good game and certainly an intermediate championship here because as I said earlier there was nothing between them when they met earlier in the season and um, they're two very good teams Nave would be Nave Breed's first team they'll be hoping to get back up to senior uh, Nave Owen's second team and they're sporting some really good experienced players like Killian McCabe and Shane Kavanagh who've been excelling all year and um, they breed then would have their star player would be Aaron Ammon this was a brother of Park Ammon who's playing his trade across the channel uh, Fia Couture would be another star player for Nave Breed so there's really good players on display today and um, anyone who's looking for somewhere to go uh, in the lovely sunshine today there's no better place than to come to Network Cullen Park and uh, have a look at this game and sure while you go to have a look at that game as well you may as well pick up tickets for tomorrow's games also exactly I, you know, there's definitely going to be a, a cracker of a match tomorrow. Like, there's nothing between St. Mullins and Honest um, Rangers. There never has been down through the years. There's a good friendly rivalry there between them. They're close neighbours. Um, and uh, it's anyone's guess who will win that game. There's some great players on display again in that. You have, uh, obviously, from St. Mullins, the star man, Marty Cavanagh, but you have James Doyle as well, who scored four goals in the Christy Young uh, Cup final. In Crow Park a few years ago, the county fullback Paul Doyle, uh, young players like Oshin Boland, um, you know, on the same one side, and on the Rangers. Uh, the star player, I suppose, there would be Chris Nolan. His absolutely skill levels are off the Richter scale. Dennis Murphy, a very experienced player who's won Christy Ring Cups with Carlo in the past. 
Edward Bourne, the centre forward, and his brother Dermot Bourne, the centre back, two very important players for Rangers. Um, you know, there's loads of players throughout the team, the both teams there who have um, great experience and, and quality. And I can only see uh, being a super game, and um, conditions are going to uh, allow that as well as the weather continues to, to stay dry and the pitches are drying out and there's you know no reason why we can't have two excellent games tomorrow and then right after that then you're kind of getting into the football side of things uh, once again we played off the 2020 championships now the 2021 championships are just beginning so there's no rest for the wicked at all that's it and uh, uh, have to hit the ground running and and thrown into the deep end and next weekend the football championships start friday evening and uh, there's there's a, a huge program of games next weekend. There's eight games, uh, well, four games senior, four senior games, four intermediate games. Um, as I say the first games are on Friday evening in this championship. We've all locked in against Ballinabrana and the Arrow and O'Hanrahan's in Netherwich Cullen Park Friday evening, six forty-five and eight fifteen. They're two unbelievable games to have at the first games because they're they're local derbies, both of them. You've all locked in Ballinabrana next door neighbours. And then, of course, the age-old rivalry between Airog and the Blues, both on Friday evening. So another two cracking games could be played under lights and, again, be great atmosphere. So that's, that's mouth-watering stuff um, next weekend. Uh, so, you know, there's certainly going to be no shortage of activity for a GAA supporter and no reason for anyone to be looking for somewhere to go. The Network's Cullen Park, our Fennet Training Centre, our possibly Tolo or um, Parky Breen next weekend are the place to be. Um, no shortage of entertainment there. And the place to be tonight, Netwatch Cullen Park, 5 o'clock throw in Nave Owen versus Nave Breed. Tomorrow then the Junior Hurling Final, Palatine versus Baglanstown Gales at quarter past one. And then quarter to four, our live game here on KCLR, Mountain Leinster Rangers versus St. Mullins. Jer, we can't wait to see what you produce in your role as PRO. No doubt we'll be in contact over the next few weeks as all the football championship action ramps up. But for now, enjoy the game and uh, we're looking forward to covering it here ourselves We'll give updates throughout the game as it progresses. Thanks very much, Shane. And I'd uh, just like to say thanks to KCLR for your, all your support and your, the coverage of Carla GA activities over the years. It's been top class and uh, we look forward to continuing to work with you. And uh, anything I can do, uh, feel free to contact me um, at any time. Um, we, we're, we're always available to do anything to um, improve uh, any issue or communications um, as long as it's uh, in the interest of college uh, <laughs> well I'm if you want to come in the, if you want to come in and host the show so I can go and, uh, and watch, a, watch a game or two you know that wouldn't be too bad well let me tell me what your, the pay scale is and uh, we'll think about it <laughs> sticking with the GEA theme now we have Stephen Toomey from Middle East GEA Uh, it, it's gone through huge numbers. Like if I think back, the first of all, the Middle East League was set up officially in 2013. Um, there was about maybe eight teams involved in it then. And if we take a, a leap forward to 2021, we're looking at probably 16 clubs across the Gulf region, which is across eight countries. Um, Ten of those clubs we based in UAE, one in Bahrain, Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, Saudi Arabia, and most recently a, a club has been set up in Egypt, in Cairo. So it's certainly um, gone through huge numbers. Um, 
I think the eldest club in the region is Navelli, which is based out in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. They're coming in at 27 years uh, of age, followed by Dubai, Kelt and Abu Dhabi and Afina, which are respectively 26 years each. And um, as you note in the emails during the week, we have a new club here in Dubai called Lake Regale, which is a week old. So you can see the vary um, of ages from 27 right down to a week. So it continues to grow. And uh, it's a great sign and it's a great community. And it's... Um, it's a great, a great place for people to learn what's going on in the community and they can fast-track their experience pretty lively. Yeah, sir, and it helps you settle as well. That's what I found when I kind of moved over to Australia for a while. It just kind of helps you uh, just settle into an experience. You're able to still experience all the cultures, but you have the familiarity of something from home. You're mentioning the newest club, Locker Gale, and you're mentioning all these different clubs that are, are registered. How many teams all in all, then, are registered? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, we've only kind of asked for the clubs to come back with what we have for the year ahead. Um, I would imagine we'd be up around 105, 106 teams in total. That would be going from senior uh, men's ladies hurling camogie right down to uh, the social football ranks. And our, our tournaments are very different and our games are very different than what you see back home. Just to give you an idea, um, all our games out here are played in rugby, pitch, rugby pitches. Uh, games are seven minutes a half. There's nine players on the field with three rolling subs at any one stage. Uh, and I suppose that, that's a benefit too, given the temperatures are still quite high. We'd be playing typically games anywhere from the first week of October right down to Paddy's Day. And um, temperatures would be around 30 to 33 as we push towards March um, the following year. So yeah, it is, um, it is brilliant. And as you said, it's a great community. And it's a place where people can kind of bed in pretty quickly and get a real understanding of what the tips and tricks are within the community. Yeah, so the game itself is a bit different, but it's obviously bringing in the the main components of what makes GEA great. In terms of the the structure of the the tournament, say, is it like a county championship style of a tournament in each city, or are teams facing each other for different countries, or is it kind of set and categorised in a city, and then there's almost like a provincial level when you're playing different teams from the UAE? Yeah, so the, the Middle East League would, would take all teams from across the Gulf. So we'd have a senior right down to junior B across uh, men's and ladies football, hurling, camogie. And those teams, depending on their form in the previous years, be a promotion or relegation, they would be, they, that would determine where they're playing at. So, for example, the senior this year would have seven of the teams based in UAE and one team based out of Qatar, which is a, a very strong GA home. Um, and it would vary, you know. A lot of the a lot of the smaller Gulf states, be it the likes of Oman, would have um, a junior team. Bahrain would have a senior ladies football team, but a junior A men's team. So there's a good spread, and um, it keeps it competitive, which is the most important thing. And keeping it competitive and spreading the word of the GEA is it is it kind of. Middle East GEA that are looking to go into these hotbeds where they see various different Irish kind of people that have moved into or there's been maybe a company that's accepting more Irish people in and are you then kind of looking to pounce on that or is there somebody that's within the community already that is seeing oh I'd kind of like to start playing a bit of hurling and then they get in contact with you and then you look to establish a club that way that's, that's exactly how it works so we'd be affiliated to Leinster Council back home that we are twin as such and if a club if a club had interest to um, to pop up, be it in any one of the Gulf states or other countries, they would send a formal application back. It would typically go to the international GA units in 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 Dublin, and they would filter back through the channels to us. We'd have a conversation with them, and before you know it, they're 
they're adopted into the Middle East League. Typically, a new team start here would start at the lowest rank. So they'd probably enter as a junior B level and they'd work their way up through the ranks then. So we've had we've had a lot of clubs that would have accelerated over the last couple of years. Um, Kerry Middle East would have set up in Dubai three or four years ago and they've gone from strength to strength, currently playing into media football. Mary Gales have gone through huge growth here in, in Dubai itself. They started out in junior B and now they're playing competitive senior football and would have two teams up there. So there, there's... There's definitely opportunity and definitely a hunger to grow it out here, but we act- actively don't seek uh, clubs to, to pop up in different regions. It seems to be just that it's a good vibe, it's a good community, people want to be a part of it, and there's a structure, and that's the most important thing, because back in June, we would identify our fixture list for the year ahead, uh, so people would have plenty of advance notice to book flights if they're flying in from the various Gulf states, or if they're flying out of the UE to the various other tournaments. And they can, they can plan in advance and they know in the next six months where they're going to be on the 8th of October, the 15th of October, the 22nd of September, right up to the 17th of November. So it gives that um, I suppose structure really that people can plan and work towards. And it's, it's well organised and it's great. there's great team members across the various committees in the Gulf um, that keep the games, I suppose, flowing. And uh, that's, that, that's, that's a real asset to them. And like you're mentioning, okay, it being well organised, and of course it'd have to be to get the stuff that is renowned to be made in Ireland, the likes of getting hurleys out there, slitters out there, O'Neill footballs or whatever. Even the, the getting referees involved in it, it, it lo- seems like a huge logistical thing. Are you looking at maybe any kind of home-based things for getting hurleys made or getting slitters made, or are they all been imported from Ireland? They're all imported from Ireland, so we'd have agreements with various Hurley manufacturers or gear suppliers, and either the teams would do a direct transaction with those independent companies, or the Middle East would have a teamy agreement with um, a sports manufacturer back home, and they would they would transfer the um, the order over to us. But you mentioned there in terms of logistics and what goes on in the background for a tournament. Just to give you an idea, of the numbers um, probably the most expensive. A uh, piece of equipment that we can get out here is um, pitches. You're looking at about 1,200 dirhams to 1,400 dirhams, uh, the price of a pitch, which is about 300 euro. Uh, so it's quite expensive for an hour's football or hurling. Um, we, there was a tournament held here back in 2016 with Dubai Kelsey that I was a part of, and uh, the numbers that I was kind of getting together before the call... We had 17,000 bottles of water, 150 kgs of ice. There was eight pitches rented across three different venues. There was 450 fixtures, uh, which started at 6 o'clock on a Thursday evening. That was hurling camogie. finished at 1 o'clock in the morning. And then the football teams were started at 8 o'clock on the Friday morning and concluded at 6 p.m. on the Friday evening. There was eight referees flown from home, two ambulance, one big after party, and it was knocked out within about 28 hours. Oh, that sounds absolutely amazing. It sounds like great crack altogether. And it yeah, is... It's good crack. Yeah, no, go ahead. It's good crack. It's great. Like, it's... Um, it, everyone comes together for it, and every other club then across the region will, will get ready for their big ones throughout the year. And um, we've had our fixture list compiled since the start of June this year. So we know where we're going in advance. There's been a couple of new clubs that are going to take on the challenge of, of hosting a tournament this year. And um, they'll get confidence in in their own ability and, and next year please God they'll push on for a bigger tournament and take on more bodies 
And having like all those bodies out playing GEA, which is essentially a very Irish thing to do, and it's been brought to different eyes out there um, from a local perspective, are you getting much uh, non-Irish interest in it? Or are you getting people even partaking in it or just witnessing in the stands and seeing maybe hurling for the first time or seeing Gaelic football for the first time? Would you have much non-Irish uh, participants? We would have a few. Um, I think every club across the region would have a couple of... Um, I suppose non-Irish players playing. We'd have a lot of Scots involved, English, um, a lot of Arabs playing it, and there's a lot of Americans as well playing, particularly over in Kuwait and Oman. So we do see a lot coming on board. But it's also great to see that there's an underage structure out here, and they're doing immense work. Some of them, some of the clubs are working in the schools, and um, you'd have Nanashkina School or a, a kind of um, an underage blitz taking part. But I, I think that'll be on the cards in the coming years anyway with the work that's going on in there. Yeah, that sounds amazing. So would there be any hopes in the future maybe for a GEA Middle East to form an inter-county team similar to what we might see with New York and London or would that be feasible just yet? I wouldn't think it'd be feasible just yet. It's a different game, different dynamic. Um, but I, would, I wouldn't write it off, certainly. I think um, over the last three war games that have taken place back in, back in Dublin and Crow Park, the Middle East have the, have the, have the titles for the last couple of years. So their, their, their game is, is obviously good for the for the seven minute halves and the the nine side games, but if you're transitioning into a fifteen side game, it could be very difficult or different. But I wouldn't rule it out, as they say. Yeah, it sounds exciting. In terms of uh, ladies Gaelic and uh, Camogie, then they're all following on follow falling under the GEA banner out there in the Middle East. Then, yeah, yeah. So as I say, we be twinned with Leinster Council. Uh, we have a great relationship with the um, with the lads in Leinster. They gave us a great dig out there during the year, with particularly with COVID struck. Uh, as well as the LGFA and Camogie, they did certain webinars throughout the year. So we're all falling in under the same umbrella. We're playing the games out here, promoting it, and um, it's all good for for the association. Well, that sounds exciting. If anybody's out there and they're considering heading over to any of the countries uh, that you've mentioned, even to Egypt, where there's now a GA team in Cairo, which blows my mind. It's amazing to hear. Uh, do they contact the team directly? Would they be getting in contact with GA Middle East in terms of uh, w- what would be the the right way to go about joining a team? As you mentioned, there's different structures. There's obviously uh, different levels as well involved. So you might be able to just join Dubai Kels if you're heading out there. But what what way does it work? It, it depends on where they're going. Um, if they are looking to kind of get an idea or a feel for where they want to go or what they want to do, Middle East GA, there's an active e-book there online. It's on any of our social media platforms, be it Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. They go in there and they get a full idea of what's going on in the region, what clubs are going to be uh, near enough to them, um, who's based in what country, and they get all the information there. Um, Middle East, MiddleEastGA.com is the email address, and uh, MEGA would be the main handle across Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn or Facebook so there's plenty of content there available to them well, that's fantastic to hear Stephen it's been an absolute pleasure uh, to talk to you and thanks for taking the time out and what no doubt is a lovely weather over there and uh, no doubt we'll be talking to you very very soon if you have any more developments as well but uh, thanks very much for taking the time brilliant Shane and Shane just before I go there's been a good cohort of people come over from Carlo during the year to Kenny he marked to where he's with Airog. Uh he's gone back there recently Amy Doyle is back there and uh, I think Ronan O'Brien, who's stuck in Jamira Gales, is also uh, currently out here. So a good contingent to the Carlo guys uh, flying the flag out here.
Fascinating stuff there. Also fascinating to find out that three Carlo gymnasts will be in the European qualifiers in Italy in a week's time. Here's Anne Rennick from Carlo Gymnastics Club. Well, it is, it's a huge achievement for the, the three girls. Um, I suppose um, the European Championships and the World Championships are the highest level of competition for our sport because it's not a discipline that's in the Olympics yet. Um, I suppose the girls have competed over the years at age group at European uh, Championships. And I suppose if, if you were to put it in context, it would be a little bit like they've gone through the minor and junior ranks and now they're at senior level. And, uh, and senior level in our sport it's very difficult to get three um, people working together at this level. In fact, in the last 10 years, we have, from Ireland, only had two groups representing Ireland at European level, at senior. And, and uh, one of those groups was from Carlo as well, um, Sarah Rennick, Mary Barrett and Lauren Hoolan. So there's, there's a good, strong tradition here, uh, and the girls have worked extremely hard to get to this point. And when you're talking about working extremely hard, like, uh, you know, it, it's great to kind of revel in the uh, the plaudits that come your way when you get to a European championship. But a lot of people fail to see the time, the effort, the dedication that goes in to qualifying for a tournament like this. And it kind of gets lost on a lot of people. Uh, same with Conal Scully, who is going to be at the Road World Championships. He's a Carlo man with Carlo Road Cycling Club as well. And it's great for us to be able to revel in all these great things. But the time and effort that goes in is absolutely monumental oh it's huge there's huge sacrifice involved and remember that these girls Anya and Roshan they're early 20s in college and at work and LA is in secondary school they put in 25 hours a week in our gymnastics club they do have to do extra sessions of running and weights themselves outside of the gym so it's huge amount of work and effort it takes and and the commitment and determination and motivation, because it is self-motivation, and that they've got to work through, if you like, the past year through COVID, um, which was very difficult, um, and a lot of the time it was on Zoom. Imagine trying to do your strength and your conditioning <laughs> um, at home in your bedroom. Very, very difficult. But in April, they were um, designated by Sport Ireland, um, through Gymnastics Ireland, as elite athletes. At that stage, they were allowed back into the gym because it's a contact sport. They were allowed to train back in the gym. And we had um, we had several of our gymnasts on national squad. So those on national squad, um, we had six allowed to train in April and more of them were allowed to train together in June. So um, it is massive. And it isn't in the past year. These girls have been working for this level over the years. And they came together two years ago to try and work um, to compete at senior level. And originally they had hoped to compete at the World Championships, but they were in June in Geneva and Ireland weren't sending out a team because of COVID. So it, it, it wasn't today or yesterday they have that the work has been put in it in the past couple of years. And I suppose um, competing at senior level is really the pinnacle of their careers. I was just about to say, of their young careers as well. It truly yeah, does yeah, sound like the pinnacle. Yeah, you know, it's top level to compete at senior. Like, like in any sport, if you're competing at senior, it, it's really 
the top of your sport. And and you're mentioning the age and you're mentioning, say, the magnitude of the event being the pinnacle of the careers. Have you been talking to the three since their selection was confirmed? Uh, how much is, were they looking forward to it? I suppose uh, there could be a nervousness that comes in, um, but there also could be a self-assuredness about getting to that stage. So uh, I, being being young can almost be to an advantage in a way that you could be somewhat oblivious to the magnitude of it because you have your sights set on other things in the career as well and using this as a stepping stone to something like the world championships as well knowing that this is just the start of their journey so how have the three been reacting to the news well they're, they're obviously um are absolutely thrilled they um the selection process happened at the end of july they had um um, they had to do um, um, three trials over two weekends uh, up in Sport Ireland and, and Abbottstown. Um, and the um, Gymnastics Ireland Selection Committee set a target. They have to have a qualifying score. Like any event, like if you're qualifying for 100 metres for the Olympics, you have to get a time. This is the same gymnastics. You have to set, uh, reach the qualifying score. You either hit it or you don't. And so everything depends on the three of them working together to um, make sure no mistakes are made. So they did work together, and obviously, like in any sport, they had injury and illness, but they worked very hard and were absolutely thrilled to get the qualifying score. So they were notified um, uh, early September and are working diligently hard um, for this. I don't think they'll be phased by it. I think they're three very good competitors, um, they have good self-confidence, confident in each other, um, and are really looking forward to the event. Yeah, we're looking forward to covering it here at KCLR. I suppose from a club perspective as well, it's a real kind of stable uh, and something that you'll be able to kind of use going forward in terms of just bringing numbers in, and it'll give young girls and young boys in the area something to aspire to. Well, absolutely. Um, we, we, as a club, have had a gymnast compete at European and World um, competitions over the past, since 2005, really. And I, I think success breeds success. And younger gymnasts look and see these uh, gymnasts training very, uh, very, very hard and they see the dedication that it requires. And um, I suppose they look up to these gymnasts as role models. I mean, the other evening in the gym, these um, three girls were training away and we had a group of recreational children in there and they watched in awe at the girls and spontaneously clapped when they saw them um, completing their moves. So I think that is in itself fantastic um, inspiration for other children. And does this help then build the, a, a, the, a platform for the club to continue to grow then and be able to have that uh, uh, associated with the club? Are you going to be hoping to build on this momentum that you're hoping that it may bring? Yeah, well, we always hope to, to build on momentum. And I suppose um, for gymnastics, we cater for children who would um, like to come to compete or there's many children that just like to do for recreation. Um, and I suppose if you are motivated to compete, this will, and you know the facility is there and that if you want to work hard, it's catered for. And um, I suppose at the moment it's difficult to take in too many children because we are restricted in numbers in our group sessions. They have to work in small pods individually at the moment. So it's not as if when these restrictions ease, um, I suppose we'll be hoping to expand a little bit more. But it is very popular 
and we do have people, children waiting to get in. And at the moment, we can't take too many. Um, when you're mentioning children as well, and you know you're mentioning them, kind of looking up to people and wanting to partake in a recreational sense, is there avenues for adults that might uh, want to kind of get involved at a recreational level, or is it always geared towards kind of building for the future from a young level? Well, at the moment, um, I, um, we don't have any adult classes. Um, I, I, I think because a lot of our sessions are in the evening after school, and by the time we're finished our classes and training sessions, it's half eight or nine o'clock and it will be hard to get a, a group of adults in. But it is something <laughs> that we'll maybe looking down the line to. But, you know, it's not just for competition. You know, gymnastics is for, it, it's fantastic for the development of the all-round all round person. Um, I suppose it's for fitness, for flexibility, for strength and conditioning uh, and spatial awareness, confidence, grace. It helps in every sport. Um, g- gymnastics is, is a foundation, really, for every sport. So it's not just for the competitive person, um, but it is something we have earmarked down the line is to have um, an adult class at some stage. And I, I suppose that we can give all the credit to the people that are uh, partaking in it and uh, going to the European Championships, Anya, uh, Roisin, Ella. But, like, the... And we can talk about the tireless work that they're putting in, but behind that scene there's, is the coaches as well that are putting in endless hours and the people behind the scenes that are helping keep the club club running. So would there be many involved in, in the behind-the-scenes aspect of it? Yeah, well, I suppose we have um, our coaches and um, all of our coaches in the club are our past gymnasts. The, um, our coaches are those who have come up through the ranks themselves. Most of them have um, competed nationally and internationally. So they have huge loyalty to the club and a huge interest in the club. So it's those are the people that are the foundations of our club. Um, and the coaching is huge. Um, the girls' coach is Sarah Rennick, and she puts in a massive amount of work into the girls. Um, 25 hours a week, and that's just in the gym. The preparation before that is huge also. And she's helped by a lot of our other coaches for choreography to step in and have another look. Um, Some of our ex-gymnasts will come back in at weekends and help out as well. So it doesn't just happen. There is an awful lot of work there. And... uh like the, the the work that's been putting in is tireless and being able to get to that mm. international level is, is is huge it's absolutely yeah. huge and it's important I'd imagine to keep gymnastics on the map not just in Carlo but also in Ireland especially considering the time that we've been living through and being particularly cruel to indoor sports more than any other form of sport yeah well if you think like gymnastics Ireland have really been working hard over the past couple of years to bring up the standard of gymnastics. And if we look at Reese McLennan, uh, Meg Ryan, who competed in Tokyo uh, during the summer, and to come to that level was fantastic. And they're putting in huge work there. Um, they're setting a standard. And we are a small country. We don't send out that many gymnasts, but we're looking for quality. And they have been working um, with that all the way up along with their high-performance units and with the and National Gymnastics Centre up in Abbottstown, and, and national squads and the development plan. So they are hoping that our trio and other gymnasts are tra- uh, that are going out to compete 
at age group level will compete very, very well, and hopefully some of them will make finals. And this is making a name for us on the European stage and on the world stage. And it's what Gymnastics Ireland is trying to do to bring up the standard of gymnastics in the country. And it's been an absolute pleasure to kind of get an insight into your world um, from Carlo Gymnast Club and get an insight into what goes on behind the scenes to get the likes of Anya Farrell, Roisin O'Toole and Ella Sullivan uh, at the European Championships. Um, September 29th in Italy, the competition begins. Does that mean that they're all out on the 29th or is there uh, various different days that they might be competing? Well, they're travelling out on the 27th. Um, they're going travelling out on the 27th and return on the, on the 4th. So they'll be out there for a few training days um, before the competition starts. And um, so we'll be wishing them um, well because they'll have two and a half minutes on the floor to do the routines and not make any mistakes because any little mistake um, will be seen and deducted. So we're really hoping that they'll put out the best performance on the day. Absolutely fantastic to hear. It's also fantastic to hear from Davy Jones from Davy Jones Fitness. Here he is. Yeah, exactly. I think we're all getting back into some sort of norm now after COVID, thank God. But um, we've seen in, in, in the gym in the last couple of weeks, people, since, especially since kids are going back to school, big influx, influx of people coming back into the gym, people going back to office work. So people are getting back into cities and stuff like that. So we're getting back into the gym, which is great, thank God, because we can see, you know, people getting back to their fitness and getting back to eating properly and just feeling better about themselves. And yeah, thankfully we're seeing all this, these routines getting back into place now. And is it, it is it hard? Is is it? advisable to be changing up your routine because it, there is going to be a lot of change and maybe being caught in a routine might lead to being a bit lethargic when it comes to your workout as well maybe getting a bit bored of it or something so is it always recommended to change up your routine yeah exactly just kind of mostly kind of for your own kind of enjoyment of it yeah if you're doing the same kind of exercises the whole time and you find yourself not progressing it's good to change up exercises ask for advice for different type of exercises and different time tra- different types of training methods and stuff like that there's always a different way or different angle to do something and always try to seek out advice from a professional and see can you do something slightly different or in a better way like yeah definitely uh, that that's a big thing for me because uh uh I I have a lot of people kind of talking to me as well about my weight loss journey and they're messaging me and asking me about what I'm doing and and, and stuff like that but I I the mass off a lot of people I'm getting I don't go to the gym because I'm quite self-conscious about my body but on the other side of things they're self-conscious about their body because they don't go to the gym so like for first-time people the gym can be quite uh, an anxiety inducing place when you see lads like yourself being a strong man lifting huge amounts of weights and other lads and and ladies as well being able to do some phenomenal things that a a first-time gym goer mightn't be able to do but i find that once you actually step foot in the gym, all those kind of worries tend to go away when you just focus on yourself. Would you be getting a lot of kind of new people coming in that would be very apprehensive? Yeah, exactly. Especially um, any PT personal training clients we have coming in, they kind of always presume like the gym might be this big daunting place where everyone's lifting super heavy weights and everyone in there is super fit. But it's it's total, it's total opposite. Like because everyone starts somewhere. Like when I started uh, in the gym ten years ago. I couldn't walk on the treadmill for any more than five minutes, like, you know, that's how 
bad I was. So it doesn't really make any difference where you, where you're at like at the moment. It's all about starting and getting going, and it's it's never anywhere near what you think it is. Like people will be very nervous going into the gym. I always say to them when you come in, get your first day out of the way, and then build up from there. Because it's never as bad as what you think it is. And the main thing is, kind of everyone, everyone has a different way of training. Everyone has different abilities. So you start with what you can do, and build on that. And that doesn't make a difference what anyone else is doing. Just start with what, what you can do, and as long as you progress every day and every week, that's the most important thing you can do. Like certainly, and it always, I always found that the gym to be a, a very kind of open place if you do want. To, to go for that advice now I know a lot of people that go in there throwing their headphones and they go about their their own thing but like gym instructors are there to help instruct people and then they can kind of do a bit more of a personal touch and there could be a bit more of a personal training aspect to it more cater to your style as well so despite like no one in there really cares about your size at all you know other patrons or anything like that you're not looking at anybody and you're not body shaming anybody and I think when people understand that they can feel a bit more free and then they can be a bit more open to asking questions to to other patrons or of course yourself or other gym instructors yeah definitely I suppose the one thing we push big time is a lot of our um, a lot of people that we have working in the gym have come from some sort of background like myself I was very overweight and few of the other lads like you know just when they started they had no idea and they you know got educated about it and built themselves up and went from there and got their fitness levels up so like none of us start fit do you know what I mean none of us start strong none of us start at any of this but it's all a work in progress and the main thing is we find everyone in our gym that they're just you know everyone's the same no matter what fitness level you're at everyone's here to make to get better and like if you're at the top of your game or if you're, you're just starting makes no difference everyone's in the exact same boat everyone's there to get better and that's we all help each other out and that's that's just the main thing like. and what about people that kind of say that they don't have the time to do it I always look at um, kind of taking the time now you'll get that time back in the future you know what I mean by being a bit more healthy you might be able to elongate your lifespan and stuff but people do work long hours other people have long com- commutes other people have kids other people have all three of those things all together is it a very time consuming thing well not really like if you did if you did three sessions a week it's only three hours in a week I mean if you can't even if you did two sessions a week that's two hours in your week like how much time do we spend looking at our phones how much time do we spend looking at TV do you know what I mean? All these things, even just, you know, simple things like just sorting out your diet, that doesn't take that much time. Do you know what I mean? Choosing healthier options when you're going, getting your food, stuff like that, that doesn't take any time. So there's no really excuse. If you want to do it, you can do it. Like, everyone, you know, everyone's busy nowadays with, with kids and jobs and everything like that, but there's no real excuse, really. Like, you just have to kind of make time. If you can't make time for your health, what can you make time for, really, like, you know? And w- and when you mention then the the diet aspect that comes along with it, uh, a lot of people say that you can't tra- out train a bad diet, which is is quite true as well. But a lot of people might be apprehensive because they think, oh, I'm not able to go for my pints at the weekend, or I'm not be- going to be able to have that pizza that I always enjoy, or, or stuff like that. But it's all about finding the balance in your life. You know, too much of anything leads to an unhealthy lifestyle, and that includes working out as well. I I I think, but. Like, you don't necessarily have to go, right, I'm starting in the gym, everything that I like doing is gone out the window now, and I'm just going to focus on this. Yeah, some people get caught up and think, like, we're going to live off broccoli and rice and chicken <laughs> and fresh air. Like, you know, it doesn't work like that. Like, you know, I always say to people, or clients especially, like, you're not training for the Olympics or anything. 
you know, you can enjoy yourself as well. You can do whatever. At the same time, we have people, we have athletes that are in the gym that, like, their idea of their training is, you know, 100% diet, 100% training, 100% of the time. But that's just the way they want to live. And then we have the, the normal person who wants to get a bit fitter, lose a bit, little bit of weight, who wants to get a bit stronger, stuff like that. Uh, generally just wants to be uh, more healthy but that's that's ideal like you can do that you can enjoy yourself as well there's no need to be you know starving going around the place training every day that doesn't work like you know that's training and going to the gym and all that it's all about the longevity of it like you're doing something that you like first of all training wise and then nutrition wise obviously doing something that's sustainable for long term results rather than going really hard for let's say six months losing X amount of weight or doing whatever you want to do and then rebuilding do you know what I mean so it's all about kind of doing something that you enjoy that's sustainable for your lifestyle and you can do it long term and that's a big thing as well because I imagine burnout as well is a, is a huge thing and it's probably why you get a lot more memberships at the start of the year as opposed to as the year goes on a lot of people are doing new year resolutions and they kind of fade out because they might start off all guns blazing notice a few changes and then be like oh this is this is great but it's not sustainable with the way they're they're doing it up they might be operating at a severe calorie deficit and not being able to compensate that uh, in, in in other ways so they're out training themselves and then just burning out and then having to take a, a, a stand on the sidelines which is ultimately can lead to back to bad habits yeah exactly like you just said there it's, it's probably doing too much but they're doing too much bad then we'll say over Christmas and they didn't, they didn't think too much good in January is going to fix everything but like it's like we just said there it's, it's the long term things it's not just going to be your gen- January, February, March and then you're sorted for the year like it's it's habits it's all habits all good habits of training two or three times a week eating healthy every day drinking enough water getting enough sleep you know all these small things every day and it's just lifestyle it's like you can have bad habits or you can have good habits and the good habits are going to make you feel better have more energy feel fitter and stronger yeah I, I think the biggest obstacle from a personal perspective for me is actually just that debate in your head before you're going training but once you get your gear on mm. you've made a commitment and then you just go out and do it and it, it becomes e- easier after you get that initial gear on so like just just going and making that first step is a huge monumental thing and that doing that then every day going forward is, is obviously going to help you progress and achieve your goals yeah 100% and like some people get very caught up in oh I'm not feeling it today and this that and the other but like everyone's the same like there's days I don't feel like training you know for three hours or whatever like that and that's you know that's normally like, that's just the human body the human mind is saying right this is going to be hard I know what's ahead of me I don't want to do it but you get in and do it and you feel better the same way like when when I start to train you know you're just you're in the same kind of mindset I was very cautious of doing anything in front of anyone I was very nervous and and people would look at me now and think oh sure you're always like that you know what I mean everyone, yeah, yeah. everyone starts somewhere and builds it up and when I, when I trained first I was very um, cautious about people looking at me or stuff like that because I was very overweight and you know you get over these things and you build up and what we what we really push in our gym is that nobody's looking at anyone everyone's there like I said just to get better and improve and that's that's the main thing like you know and are you noticing now that we're kind of becoming a bit more of an open society as well that you're starting to get the numbers in through the doors obviously as a business perspective you're going to have to come up with different things to get people in whether that is like reducing membership rates or anything like that so is there anything going on in davy jones fitness at the moment yeah we have a sale on the moment there it's a september sale and it's uh, a sale on gym membership so we have membership a yearly membership down to 249 euro 
Um, so it's the cheapest membership in Kilkenny by far. Month's membership down to €29 Euro a month. Um, three months down to 79 So yes, a really cheap membership rates to get people back into fitness, get people back you know, into a healthy lifestyle after... We all had a, we all had a long break during COVID, and we all had you know a lot of bad habits picked over, up over time. A lot of people gained weight. A lot of people like started that. baking during COVID as well. So <laughs> you go baking and eating it, yeah. So yeah, it was just a lot. We mixed up a lot of bad habits, so we want to get people back into fitness, back feeling better about themselves, and back going. Yeah. And where can they contact you then, Dave? You're very active on on the likes of Instagram and Facebook. We've seen you up in Belfast there uh, with Blaine Donovan as well, competing in the in the strongman competition. By your own accounts, you came third and you weren't too happy with that, but you're qualified now for June for the UK Strongest Man. Yeah, qualified for UK Strongest Man. We said from Blaine, yeah, Blaine were up in Bangor a month ago now, yeah. So it went well. I knew going into it, them, we have certain events each competition, they, they change competition to competition. Them events didn't particularly suit me too well, so I was happy with third place in the end. I was, you know, it wasn't the main goal. main goal was obviously first or second. But third place got me qualification to UK Strongest Man, which is a much higher standard over in the UK now next year. Um, so head down for that now and focus on mixing up with the big boys over there, yeah. So people can follow the journey along then, Davy Jones Fitness on Instagram yep. and on Facebook. And of course, if they want to contact you in regards to training, maybe get up on that stage sometime with you soon as well. Yeah. Strongman, they can uh, definitely give you a show. Yeah, exactly. Contact me on Instagram, Facebook and call into the gym. You can go on to our website, davidjonesfitness.ie. You know, give us a shout any way you want. And if you want to start your fitness journey today, we're there, we're ready to go, and we can help you. Davy, as always, it's an absolute pleasure. We wish you nothing but the best. No doubt we're going to be speaking to you again before June anyway. Um, it's always great to find out what's going on down in Davy Jones Fitness. But until next time, sir, have a great day. Enjoy. Okay. I'm sure you're going off training. Maybe an ice bath is on the cards for ice you later on. Tonight, no, yeah. I've seen them big chunks of ice that you had up on Instagram. Yeah, not looking forward to that. <laughs> they look like they're getting imported there from uh, the Antarctica. Yeah, the tough place down Glenmore. <laughs> One way to keep fit is certainly boxing. Here's Ollie O'Neill talking about his son's Darren O'Neill performance at the Elite Boxing Championship up in the National Arena. Oh, it's great, Shane. Like, it's nearly two years ago since we saw any boxing. And uh, there was something... We, we, we were watching on the big video from the, the Ringside Club, which is right beside the stadium. We were only a lot of boxers. They're very, very strict with the corporate regulations. And right this all, Shane, when things get going again. Uh, so the boxers are only allowed into the, uh, the stadium just before their boat. And uh, we have a big screen up so you can watch all the fights. And, uh, you know, it was very, very good. Darren had a great first round. We thought, you know, it was it was 3-2 and uh, the first round. And then the second round was 4-1. For in February, and we lost last round. He got a bit of a nick in his eye. But... You know, we're very happy. There's a very, very good young lad. He, he boxed at the World Championships. And people might be forgetting Darren was to get boxed in 2019 and it was for the pro fight that he was getting. And that fell through with the COVID. So we haven't been in the ring for nearly three years. And uh, we're so delighted, Shane, because I tell you why, we, even, we thought this would be seeded because Darren won seven league titles with IB number one seed. And he, uh, you know, the... We were one of the best as force, you would say. So we're delighted. We had done very transparent. If we had to be seated, it would be we'd be boxing the next week, so we'd have another week of sparring done. 
But we're happy with what we got. Hopefully now with this call, he looks for us. So we'll we give it a good shot next Saturday again, I think. Yeah, so it's coming up next Saturday. Is that in the National Stadium once again? Do you know your opponent or who you're going up against? Yeah, no, we're boxing at Chef from Dundalk. We don't know much about him. He's supposed to be a six foot two or six foot three. I we, we haven't much information about the chap now. He's a big tall guy. So um, we just have to look. We just have to take him to the gum chains, take a face value and just go up and go home with you know, yeah, I was going to ask, well, like, is is there much? If you don't know who the the opponent is that much, is there much tactics that can go into it, or you, do you just try and fight your own game? Oh no, well, there would be tactics in because you have to be very cautious starting out, you know, and you have to get with your hands up and keep your feet moving and and keep be disciplined, keep strict defence for the first round. It's very important to win the first round, so that's what we try to try to do to win. You know, Darren, Darren is a big puncher and. Sometimes we either have to ground them, keep them, keep them with speed, keep them, forget about the, the power. If you don't reach in, because the power makes you slow, you get caught easily enough that way. Then, but uh, we're very happy to where we are for the preparation we've done. So hopefully now we get this score healed up and we we'll get back in, back in there. Give us a good chance next Saturday, hopefully. And how did his um, how was his condition as well? As you mentioned, a long time away from the ring, you can practice yeah. all you want, but being in the ring in itself is a, is a different animal altogether. So coming oh. up to the final round, how was his condition? Well, you know, uh, well, I thought he was very good. Now, to be honest with you, I was very surprised there because he had done very little, but very little sparring. We sparred last week over the high, and we sparred in Dublin on Friday, Friday evening. I mean, I don't read the sparring ball. He had a lot of padwalk, And the uh, condition was, was fairly reasonable for a man. I've been on box for three years, you know. And, uh, no, he, he, used his, he used his experience, really. He's very, very experienced and very clever. You know, but, uh, well, we'll have it all to do again next week, Shane, and we'll have to get knuckled down now and look forward to that. That's, uh, it's great to be back on the boxing. I have to say, it's great. And you have to worry the boys in the National Stadium, Shane, because well they're running you give your time start to come in, you're five there at that time, and you're in and out straight away. It was brilliant the way I was run today, no. No, he's saying the one. Everyone would be safe in the stadium. Absolutely fantastic. Well, look, we'll catch up with you again next week, Ollie, and no doubt we'll be, hopefully, I was I was about to say no doubt, but hopefully we'll be able to celebrate another Darren O'Neill victory in the semi final, and we'll look forward to the final then. Please, God, please, God, Shane. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. Ollie O'Neill, Paul Boxing Club, celebrating Darren O'Neill. from Scoreline Extra. You can catch the show live from 2 to 6 every Saturday and Sunday on KCLR. Until then, stay safe, stay safe.